Explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Immig, from 88.9. To the Lower East Side this week on Urban Spelunking, talking about a really well-known home, a mansion called the Lion House. This is a place that if you've You've been past, you've, you've definitely seen it. You've probably seen the lions. You're like, hey, I know that house. Absolutely. And even for decades, it didn't have the lions. And I think people still call it the lion house. Let's just take it from the very beginning because this home obviously is beautiful inside and out, historic. We're talking 1850s when this was built. Yeah, it's interesting. It goes back far enough that it seems like every detail is sort of in question. You know, some people say it was built in 1855. Some people say it was built in 1851. Turns out they're all sort of kind of right. Uh, and also the name of the guy who built it seems I've found at least four different spellings of Edward Dietrich, Diederich, Diedrich, Diedrichs. Like everybody doesn't seem to know how to. And Diedrichs spelled two or three different ways. We got the first part, some consensus around Ed. that. Deed, right? Ed. And Ed. <laughs> so, <laughs> Let's just call him Ed. So who was this this guy? He, he was an immigrant from Germany? Yeah, he was German, but had lived for a while in Russia, came to Milwaukee, um, and must have had some money because he built this house. It was, it was already a sort of fashionable part of town. Um, and he tapped into some really prominent architects, in fact, one that would soon become even more prominent. Yeah, in fact, the architects he hired were, at the time, the premier architects in the city, some pioneering guys named George Mygat and Leonard Schmintner, who had a young guy named Henry Koch. I've heard that name. Working for them at the time. He, of course, went on to become sort of the star architect of <laughs> the, the star architect, yeah. yeah. But he designed the Fister, Turner Hall, City Hall, Jesu Church, I mean, just tons of things. Right, we've talked um, about him many times. Yes, so when he was young, he worked for these guys, and he was involved in the designing of this house, and he reportedly is the guy that designed the original lions. So there are these there, there are these sculptures of lions flanking the main entrance of the home. Yes. Big, distinct lions. Yes. They're there now, yes. uh, but they were gone for decades and decades because originally they were made of wood, and over time they deteriorated and, and rotted in the and the moisture and the cold and, and winter and all that. So Yeah, and they lasted a pretty long time. They lasted until the 40s, which okay. is pretty amazing. Supposedly, the, the, the legend is that they were carved out of a ship's mast. Wow. Um, and they were I there for like 40 years. They were there. Uh, yeah, 90 long, years. No, yeah, 90 years. Yeah. Yeah, so it's pretty amazing. But anyway, so the Dietrichs, let's go back to Dietrichs. Yes. A few blocks away at the foot of Wisconsin Avenue, he bought up a bunch of land there, which is where like O'Donnell Park is now. Okay. Um, and he built a pleasure gardens along the bluff. So there were paths. There were uh, apparently gardens. There was paths that you could walk up and down the bluff. And, and you know, the lake came closer in at that point. So it was uh, apparently pretty dramatic. And it was free. Anybody could go. Yeah, I have to admit, when I when I read this in the story, I was like, he built a pleasure garden? <laughs> what is that? Yeah, it's so, just, like a, just like a park, basically, an, an early park. It's a privately owned park where people could just kind of come yeah, in and, and enjoy people, the views. And yeah. But it's not, he probably should have charged because okay. what happens is the, you know, by the end of the 1850s, there's a fire at the house. His business is uh, not doing well. His wife wants the house completely rebuilt exactly the way it was. Um, she was like refusing to live anywhere else. The house must be rebuilt after this fire. Yeah. And it wasn't burned to the ground. I mean, it was, you know, Just on the, the inside. Right? Yeah. And so he basically, he doesn't want to tell her business is not so good. So um, that their finances are not so good. So he, they, completely redo the house, but uh, it basically kills them financially. Mm. So they end up selling the house. 
Um, and for a while, his friend, this Rudolph Feel guy. Um, Old Rudy Feel. Moves in for a couple of years. And Rudy, I don't know, Rudy sounds like he might have been trouble. All right. So this- Rudy, is, if you think Diedrichs was shrouded <laughs> in some, uh, some bit of mystery, this Feel guy was... I found very few traces of him. Some people said he was from India. Some people said he was from Russia. His name is clearly German. And he the, probably had the most interesting story of, of this whole he thing. He did. And, and the, the, like the one time you find like a, a bunch of entries in the newspaper about Rudy uh, is when his wife dies in the 1850s, when Diedrichs is already living in this house, but before Rudy lives in the house. Um, and his wife dies, and he's so grief-stricken uh, that... Maybe it's, I don't know, sends him over the edge. I don't know, maybe it's some sort of crazy ritual, but he wanted to to build a funeral pyre down at the lakefront and burn her body. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And when neighbors heard about this, they... This was in her will, right? I mean, this was not like yeah, some crazy yeah, yeah. thing that he decided to do. No, right, it when, was, yeah. Before she died, he, she was... She said, burn me at the beach, baby. Burn me at the beach. It was <laughs> her favorite place to look out, I guess. And... I think that's going to be a song, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Burn me on the beach, baby. Um, so, so he he's going to attempt to burn her on the beach, but the the authorities step in and say you may absolutely not burn her on the beach. But it gets pretty far. Like he it, orders the wood, right? The, yeah. the twenty cords of wood to yes. build the funeral pyre yes. are on site. As the body there was, I mean, what, was it like underway, or do we know? I, I'm not sure. No, I'm not sure. But it was. But it was definitely in the newspaper. Yes, right? it was. It was in the newspaper, and it was. If it wasn't underway, it, like you said, it was getting close to being underway. Underway, and at the time he was like, "No law prohibits this. this is, I'm just carrying out her wishes." Yeah, but, right, right. But the cops were just like, "No, you can't do that." And I guess maybe it was like an early version of disorderly conduct. <laughs> you, know, which you, could, you can make anything disorderly conduct, right? So we're going to pick up that conversation next year on Urban Spelunking. Talk more about the the current state of these homes, which are soon to be completely connected inside. More about that, plus a little bit more about the history, how the lions returned to the entrance of the home. That's next on Urban Spelunking. Nonprofit Radio Milwaukee is brought to you by you. A membership contribution is your personal commitment to music and Milwaukee. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org to check out your donor benefits and the thank you gifts to show off your 88.9 pride. And we are back at the Lion House on the Lower East Side, really well-known Milwaukee mansion. One of three buildings that we're talking about right there. In fact, it's Three beautiful homes that are now connected. They have been converted into office space. They've had lots of tenants and and residents over the years. So let's pick it up after the funeral pyre story. <laughs> what happens next? Well, then a, a family moves in, lives there for about 30 years. And in 1895, a banker moves in um, named uh, James Johnson. And he um, adds a second floor to the house. Um, and he and his family stay there until the 1940s. Wow, they're okay. a really long time. Um, and then in 1940s, it's bought by um, another guy who takes out the lions because they're crumbling. Right. So at that point, the lions go away. They served for 90 years. They've up there. served. They had a long, had a good long run. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they kept watch. For, yes. Um, so for decades, it's there are no lions out there, but I think people still called it the Lion House. Yeah. Um, and then there was uh, an interesting there was an interesting quote in, in there about. How the lions saw so much of Milwaukee's history. Like if those lions were real, they presided over 90 years of, you know, the the foundation of Milwaukee. Right, right. And just think of the history that happened over that time. You know, World War it was when World War II was going on. World War One had happened. Spanish American War, Civil War. Yeah. I mean, just so much had occurred 
there was slavery in the country when the, when the lions were put there. Wow. You know, just incredible to think of how the country had changed over those years. But the house then in the 20th century, families continued to live in it until about 1981. And then it got sold after the death of the, re- the woman that owned it uh, and turned into office space. Okay. Um, and then a guy named, one of the owners, James Hummert, decided to bring back the lions. Hired a Racine sculptor named Al Felch to carve the lions out of huge, solid blocks of Honduran mahogany. Wow. So I imagine those things are not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. Talk about um, uh, some of the finest wood that you could construct it from. Yeah, and I guess you could say that at that point the lion house roared again. <laughs> <laughs> roared back to life, right? I don't know. And it had been a long time since those lions had been on the outside. Yeah, it had been like 50 years. Yeah. Close to 50 years. So that's pretty crazy that the, how, the that the original lions had so much influence and such kind of like cachet in the public mind that for years people still called it the lion house even without lions. So as office spaces, it was home to a, a realty company, right? Shore West was in there for a while. Yeah, and then um, there was a nonprofit foundation in there owned, which ended up buying the other two houses next door um, and then connected the lion house with the house next door um, around the back. They put on a little addition that connected the two. Um, and then recently the foundation sold it to um, uh, a real estate business uh, investor and he is gonna connect, he's gonna fix them up, and he is gonna connect the third house via the interior. They were not connected on the inside, um, and then he's looking for tenants for it. For but again, office tenants, which okay. is a shame. And the house in the corner, the Bloodgood House, which is right on the corner of Knapp Street, still has tons of its interior woodwork and stuff. Like the the other two have changed quite a bit. There's still some nice details in there. Like in the Lion House, it's a beautiful staircase from when they added that second story in the 1890s. Um, but the that Bloodgood house on the end is the one that, to me, is the most beautiful inside. What are some of the original details that you love so much? There's just all kinds of, like, uh, built-in wooden cabinets, like dark wood paneling. Yeah. Like, orig- not, you know, not like 60s crappy wood paneling. <laughs> I mean, like this... Not beautiful. those crap cabinets from the 60s. No, no these of course are not, right. The real deal. No, yeah, just like real, be- really beautiful millwork and, and woodwork inside. Yeah, I saw in the pictures, I saw some of these like um, like plaster wall ornamentation mm-hmm. where it was kind of like a crest or a seal on the wall. Yep, yep, very beautiful. And if you look in the article um, that I posted, you can see old interior photos that I that, found. That was too. so cool. I and think. I try, and unfortunately, I got the photos after I had been there, so I couldn't do perfect recreations, but luckily I had taken sort of similar views anyway. So I sort of did then and now as as best as I could. It is so fascinating to look at these old photos and to look at these extremely opulent, you know, these were wealthy people that lived in these mansions to see the way they decorated their homes and to see, you know, what, what they valued and what they chose to display. It really offers you this interesting glimpse to the past. It is really interesting because I think that we look at these beautiful old homes now and we're used to the way we sort of decorate now Mm -hmm. where you'd have like, you know, you'd have a Palm tree in the corner. <laughs> where's the Where's the TV? Maybe, uh, right, but I mean, they, we don't we don't decorate as heavily, right? As you know, but then, like you said, you look at these old pictures, and I, and there are some photos of Johnson in the Lion House, um, so you can see some of the interiors of the Lion House around the turn of the 20th century. Um, and again, there's just like you said, there's stuff everywhere. Right. <laughs> I mean, they're really opulent and and just crazily sort of overdone. Well, definitely go check out those pictures at radiomilwaukee.org/podcasts. You can find Bobby's complete story there and just get this really cool glimpse to the past. 
with those photos linked up. Podcasts at 88.9 are produced by Kenny Perez. Handcrafted Sonic Inspiration comes from the License Lab with support from your membership and from onmilwaukee.com. You can subscribe to this podcast at radiomilwaukee.org slash podcasts on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find us there too. And we ask you to just take a few minutes and, and rate and review the podcast so that we can grow our audience. On Milwaukee's Bobby Tenzillo. Thanks. Thanks, Nate.